0: Welcome back to nobody knows the shadow boxers but you. This is the shadow boxers. Unfortunately, Matt and Scott were not able to join us today. Um, but <laughs> I think it's time for us to just have a bit of one-on-one. Okay, so why don't you just sit down? This should only be about four or five hours. Why don't Why don't you just sit down? Put the AirPods in. You're not working. We know that. Just put the AirPods in. Let's close that. Let's close that office door. And let's turn off the lights. Okay, it's just you and me here. Take a d- deep breath in.
1: <laughs> what are you gonna lead him through <laughs> to today? <laughs> this I kind of wanted to always... let you go. <laughs> yeah, I've <we're, I'm> always <laughs> wanted to just let Adam's radio voice just do all the work.
0: Feel a smile spread across your chest. Mm. I wish I, chest. I. I wish I. Um, could just be employed by the Calm app.
1: I was just going to you know? say, I can't wait for the Shadowboxers Calm episode a, to happen and for you to just steamroll yeah, over us. And a
0: script was just placed in front of me and I could read it. Clean, 150K a year, walk away. Is that so hard? Man. Someone's doing that. Isn't that crazy?
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Harry Styles is doing it. Yeah, but I mean, Harry Styles, I'm, I'm saying someone who doesn't need to do that.
2: He's doing other things. Right.
0: That's just someone's oh, gig.
1: That's it's like just the, a for him. It's
2: like <laughs> the progressive insurance right. woman. That's his
1: grocery money, whereas, like, yeah, yeah somebody else's it's just like, that's the this. gig. Yeah. That's it. Do you think she's yeah, the
0: luckiest person in the world? Maybe. She might be.
2: I mean, I've seen her in so many commercials, and still I'm not sure I would recognize her if I saw her in the grocery. Like, I think she has anonymity also a little bit because she's, like, so identifiable in the clothes that she's wearing. If she were just wearing regular clothes, do you think you would recognize
0: her? Probably not. And without the hair? No. Or the the outfit? Yeah. She's got a
1: really, really good gig. Yeah.
0: Which I think is a great introduction to the podcast today. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, today we are discussing the song that we just put out called Novocaine, which is meant to be played in dental offices strictly.
2: Should we all have been on Novocaine doing this? I think we should (laughs) have. That would have been really funny. Also,
0: though, like uh, kind of seriously, I think one of my goals as a songwriter has always been to get on like a good dentist playlist. You know? Oh,
2: Oh my God. It's so true. Right? We have a friend, Brendan, if you're listening. He's a dentist, and he takes great pride in his dental office playlist.
0: And I don't think he's the only dentist out there doing that.
2: I think that's right. I think that's shared in the profession. I think there's, every time I've been to the dentist,
1: I'm just, hits. it's hard to sit still in that room. (laughs) He sent it to me and it's, it's, it's like a, it's sort of out of control. It's like thousand plus tracks.
0: Do you, also, I I don't know if this is true of all dentists because I've only, I have a small sample size for myself, but I feel like. Most dentist playlists, it's like at least forty percent Phil Collins. Any good
1: one? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) right. Any any dental playlist worth your
0: while?
2: Yeah, worth your while.
0: Yeah, (laughs) right. Right? Definitely. When's the
2: last time you guys have been to the dentist? I think that's on topic with Nova King.
1: Yeah, I think I'm going to the dentist in next month. So I hadn't been in a. But that's not a good answer. That means you answered the question. Hold on, wait a second. Kind of. Yeah, you, that's the I just want to. I just want our fans to know. Speaking of Phil Collins, that I want, the, I want our fans to understand how much we love Phil Collins. <laughs> At our show last week in Atlanta, I made a House playlist, and I don't think it updated in time. I was like, I was like, I, I sent, I sent the the front of House guy about an hour of music, and then he comes in like an hour before our set. He's like, playlist is not not long enough. So I started adding to it. I got him about two and a half hours of music. I don't think it played all the way through. And our walk-on song was the last song on the playlist, which we decided uh, was going to be Take Me Home by Phil Collins. We really wanted to just walk out triumphantly Mm -hmm. in Atlanta with that song blasting. And like seven minutes before we go on stage, the front of house comes into the back room and was like guys take me home is playing right now so do you guys want to like pick another song or like what do you want to do and we thought about it for a minute and then we were just like and then like three other songs played and then we were just like run just it just play it again just run <laughs> it back and put it louder yeah and it worked
0: yeah, yeah. And it worked. felt good Um, for your insightful question, I had not been to the dentist in a long, cause like f- up until I, I went to my like pediatric dentist for way too long. And then, I know. and then I like, you know, we're in, go to college and like, you know, I, I didn't go to the dentist for like seven, probably seven or eight years. <sighs> didn't go once. Wow. And then, uh, last year I was like, I needed Nothing was wrong, but I was like, it's, I should go. It's-
2: it's time to I should you know, go see what's under the hood. Yeah,
0: exactly. And I, I was driving and I saw like a sign at a dentist that was like uh, ninety nine dollars. You know, first cleaning and like consult. It was per- perfect. And I went and they were like, "Your teeth are great. Nothing to worry about. Oh. Everything's good." Which was a huge Girl, relief. That's
1: cool. I mean, that's is that like good for your, for your ego or is it bad for your ego? Because it's like, how, when the, when's the next time you're going to go to the exactly. dentist now? I, I might
0: wait it's 20 good. years. <laughs> no, it's good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What about you, no,
2: Scott? Similar boat. Yeah. I hadn't been to the dentist in a long time. You know what I did? But I went, I went last month. Okay. okay. Yeah. And, and what I did, you know, to try and pass off a little guilt and like an excuse for why I hadn't been in a while I said I said pre-pandemic mm. it was the last time I'd been you nice. know ambiguous but also very what do they say we we're, totally make sense yeah. we get that a lot and you, you didn't know? lie and I was like yeah no I didn't lie yeah so that's how I played it nice. but it had been obviously significantly pre-pandemic but isn't it funny some how you people, have like th-
0: actual guilt about telling your dentist how long it's been it, it's oh.
2: like going to a car mechanic and and it's like, when's the last and I, I don't know. I, you know you just don't know what's going on with your car and they, they <laughs> want you to take better care of it. I mean yeah. everybody's every specialist you see right. is going to want you to prioritize their to thing To do better
0: yeah. yeah. it's hard.
1: Adam, I'm like the opposite of you. I haven't been to a doctor mm. for a checkup, seven years probably. I get, I get a cleaning, teeth cleaning, every six months. Do you really? To
2: our listeners out there, Matt, surprisingly uh, durable. Yeah. I don't know what, you know, good immune system. Yeah. Sturdy guy. Yeah. He's long lasting. Whatever you may think of him, you know, you think he's a brittle guy. He's not. <sighs> nope. Sturdy. This guy,
1: this Sneaky, guy's sturdy. sturdy. <laughs> Sneaky sturdy.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: uh
2: all right, let's oh, jump shout in. Shout out to my grandfather. One second. Shout sure. out to my grandfather, an orthodontist. <laughs> oh, it, yeah. For, right. Former orthodontist on his 92nd birthday today.
0: Wow. Mazel. Happy birthday. Um, all right, let's jump in. Let's do this. Uh, so this was this was my pick, Novocaine. And uh, this is a song that uh, has been sort of... we. I think we have wrote this in... Correct me if I'm wrong, 2016? Does that sound right? And Oh, no, probably 2015. Then. It may have been 2015. Um, and ever since then, this has been one of those demos that's been on our Dropbox that has sort of lived front and center for me. Like, I listened to it frequently. And I was always really proud of this song. And there was actually a moment, maybe a, six months after we recorded it, where we, like, were weeks away from releasing it and like I don't know it was label stuff or something and we uh, I don't know we were gonna get in the studio so they were like don't put anything out yet so we canned it but this song almost came out in 2016 so to to sort of go back to the origin of how this thing started I we were we were in Nashville and I got Scott you'll corroborate this or you'll tell me this is a memory I made up but I got a voice memo from you humming the like i think the entire song and i don't know i don't even know if there were i don't think there were chords i think you were sort of humming the the chords along but you were it was just a (laughs) exactly that's what i got
2: exactly
0: yeah and then you but you had a chorus didn't you have words you were saying new baby baby Vibes, vibes, I, vibes.
2: Yeah, I, I think, it, like you said, I was. It was a hum. It was a gibberish version of yeah the whole song.
0: And I remember listening to it and immediately got like "Man in the Mirror" vibes. And mm. for a very long time, as a songwriter, I have sh- really shied away from writing anything like sort of political or even like. You know like there's a lot of issues that i as a songwriter care about and that we as a group care about like and we're like you know aware of and like you know affected by things that happen in the world but a lot of times trying to write about those can come off as like super preachy and like you know it's just like or like like you're proselytizing That's exactly and and
2: like it's almost for the uh youtube viewers For the podcast listeners who don't have visuals, Matt was pretending that his hand weighed a lot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, So writing those types of songs can be, it's really tricky to not come off like you're telling people what they should think. And, uh, or you're just like, you know, out there telling people to go, you know, be better or whatever, like, you know, anything. So it's really tricky. But I was getting Man in the Mirror vibes and there was a lot of shit going on in the world at the time you know, thinking about now, it was was a relatively peaceful time. But like, (laughs) uh, you know, I think like the Flint, Michigan stuff was like really coming to fore. And we were learning about all the criminals behind that. Trump had just announced his presidency, his candidacy for president. And like, that was actually starting to look kind of real. There was just, it was a lot of like, and like, I think I had just watched the big short like, there was just a lot of stuff, and I, and I was feeling very sort of depressed about the future. You know, there had been any number of school shootings in recent memory, too. And, like, all of that was just sort of swimming in my brain, and I was wanting to write a song, you know, wanting to, like, express those emotions through song without sounding preachy. And then Scott sends me this memo. It's got Man in the Mirror vibes, which is, like, a great version of, of that. And so I just sort of set about doing it. And I remember walking uh, in, in the park near the house we lived in in Nashville, sitting on a bench, and I wrote the first verse in like two minutes. Just sort of popped out. And I remember thinking like, okay, that actually doesn't feel preachy. It feels good. It feels honest. It feels like an actual expression of how I'm feeling. It's a heavy kind of day. I can't see a turn around. When there is silver to be made to keep the water brown, and there are villages of homeless and millions of homes all empty. Like that there was not there's not it's not telling anyone how to f- feel, right? That was just sort of an expression of what I was experiencing and seeing in the world. And then I th- I think we we were opening for Alan Stone right around that time. We did a couple shows mm-hmm. and we the first show, I think it was the first show, was in Atlanta at center stage. And we drove back to Nashville after the show. And I was driving. And I think everyone was asleep, which is a, a real specialty of mine. I take great pride when the whole band conks out. And I wrote the whole rest of the song just in my head driving. Um back at like th- two or three AM. Just like got the rest of the verses, the wow. prees, and the chorus was sort of done.
1: Like on voice note? Like how did you uh,
0: No, I just I mean, I was sitting there for four hours. I just kept repeating. If it was it good enough you would have remembered it. Yeah. Um, yeah,
1: man, that's so, so cool. So the,
0: the two pre's and the second verse came through that. And I remember, you know, getting getting home, then writing it all down in a notepad or maybe when we stopped for gas or maybe while I was driving. And then I think we recorded it maybe that probably the next week or something, like right away. So, yeah, that, that was sort of lyrically how it all came about. And that's to this cool. I day... I had no
2: idea. Yeah.
0: Yeah. To this day, like, you know, especially with it coming out now, I'm super proud of the fact that it feels as relevant to the issues today as it did then, which sucks for the world. (laughs) Like, I wish it wasn't relevant, but it does like just listening to it in the context of news today, it unfortunately still resonates. Right.
2: Yeah. It's funny when you, when you, uh, you know, when you have this song in your back pocket, And you think about when would be the most relevant time to release it, you know, in the past four or five years, it's like every month it feels like there's something that happens. It's like, ooh, now would be a good time. (laughs) Ooh, now, yeah, you know what? Yeah, it should be now. Yeah. And it's like, well, maybe if we wait, something, you know. Yeah. There's always good. The first release
0: date that we had that we like almost did was inauguration day in 2016. And we felt like you yeah. know this this. Oh was, well, then
2: I guess we dated the song. Exactly. Besides, I was also gonna say like I was also gonna look up when the Big Short came out and yeah. when the Flint Michigan thing was because yeah. we I think we nailed it. Yeah. By the way, this is off topic, but just when you were saying that you were driving home, listening, uh, you know, you didn't write down a single lyric; you yeah. just had them all in your head. I'm like Jay Z. In- yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah. Wow. There, there was an interview. I read and I forgot who the artist was, but it was kind of like a a singer songwriter type guy who I'm not particularly I don't know his catalog and I didn't, yeah. I don't remember who it was, but it was somebody who was like totally forgettable to me. <laughs> yeah. And he was telling me like or in, he telling me he was telling the he was in the interview he was saying uh, that he never writes his lyrics down. And he says if they're good enough, like I just said, if they're good enough, he'll remember them. And yeah. I was thinking may, maybe you should have written some of them down because <laughs> yeah. I, your catalog's forgettable, <laughs> but for you it worked. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah.
0: So uh, t- to, to talk maybe just quickly about the recording of Novocaine, this was in the original, I, I think this was in the original uh, house that the, the band lived in, in Nashville. And this was like, we were all very much in a, a deep sort of Michael Jackson era. It was all we were listening yeah, to. Yeah, Jackson's
2: Michael Jackson.
0: Yeah. And I remember that just this recording just coming out pretty effortlessly. Like it just, everyone sort of did their thing and it all felt right. But maybe, yeah, so, maybe I don't remember.
2: <laughs> no, if I can just jump in on that. I think that just to kind of give some context to, to our career and our musical inspiration. So when we were in Atlanta, we toured with the Indigo Girls. We were very much in the Crosby, Stills and Nash space, like harmonically as a harmony band. And well, at least we were leaning into that side of ourselves. We had recorded like Helplessly Hoping and some other songs like that. And uh, we also were, if, if you listen to our first album, Red Room, there's, there's a ton of R&B, soul, more MJ-leaning stuff in there, but we were pretty much spread across the, the spectrum of uh, musically. Then we picked up in, in 2013, uh, Cole... McSween on drums and Carlos on on bass and those guys were jazz guys and I remember for the next two three four years I mean until today but we we were so excited that we had players that could that could execute some of these yeah um, these musical styles uh, more than the previous rhythm section we had had which was more like indie rock uh, had more indie rock sensibilities so as songwriters, the three of us, we were so excited that we could get out these types of ideas. And the way that we started, we were very much a live band first, recording band second. And it wasn't until we, our Justin Timberlake experience and him mentoring us and asking us to record demos and uh, send them to him that we started to perfect our recording skills. But at the time we were much more comfortable uh, and getting our sound across in a live setting. So, with Cole and Carlos able to execute these ideas, I, for example, would feel much more confident writing a, a melody and a chord progression that is like Novocaine, because I knew that I would hand it over to people who knew what to do with it. And then in the recording process, like you were saying, it was really effortless because we all were so every time we were in the on, on the road, In the car, we were listening to Destiny. We were listening to all all of those Jackson's records. So when it came time to give the pre-chorus a lift, we just knew percussion-wise, we had to break out the bottles.
0: you know, we knew we knew what to do. Yeah, and we we had also like I think we had just met John Robinson at an event. Right. And like read up on, on off the oh wall and like how those bottles were
1: recorded and you know how Michael like yeah. cut his hand doing it. For our and listeners like, out there, John Robinson, also known as JR, is the drummer on, he is the guy who came up with the fill at the beginning of Rock With You. Yeah. He is, he is a studio drummer, studio legend. Yeah. Also on Daft Punk's Random Access Memories. Yeah. Anyway, continue. um. And and the, the other thing too, we'll we'll get into this, but
0: Matt, we should drop in the original demo of this song. Oh yeah. Because it changed dramatically when, when we brought it back up in 2022, in a right. really cool way, I think. Um, it, it maintained a lot of those elements, but you know, brought in everything we've learned since then, which is hopefully considerable.
2: So I just want to speak to the lyrics, Adam, because you, you went on that for a bit. I just want to ask you, was there anything lyrically on that drive home that felt like a like a hurdle that you had to get over? Was there anything that you really I, I know we wrote the the uh, outro after. Yeah. That, that was kind of an in-studio yeah, discovery, n- but but anything lyrically in the verses that you felt was like challenging or like a missing piece that you had
0: to solve and then you got it? That's a good question. I mean, second verse is always really hard, especially if you feel like you've got a first verse.
1: My worst enemy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Also, I I think I probably struggled with the second pre because there was the inclination to just redo the first. And I think the the second pre is actually sort of maybe one of my favorite parts of the song, and we actually ended up repeating it in the bridge. Um,
1: yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Maybe I should throw away my phone, buy a home off the grid and just tune out. But running off, running off the world, run what is it? Running off alone. Running off running alone, alone of the world, barely in it, you bailed out. I, I think, I yeah, think I love that. That was probably a, a real victory in my head at the time, because I think that encapsulated a lot of what I was feeling at, at that time and, and still feel and probably will always feel,
2: you know? Like, I think that might be the biggest takeaway message in a song that's about not feeling numb. I mean, right. once you establish that, I think, I think you'll have a lot of people that would agree, yeah, we are desensitized. Right. All right? It's, yeah. it's kind of common knowledge at this point, yeah. especially five years later, or however many years later. It's even worse. It certainly hasn't gotten better. No. But the solution is kind of the hardest part in the song like that, because like you said, you don't want to be preachy. Totally. Who are we? Right. Who are we to be the ones? Yeah. But you're just saying for yourself that deciding to check out
0: isn't, isn't the answer either. Right. It's this push and pull. I I also think just to maybe highlight some more moments, like I, I remember I, it was probably Sandy Hook. I'm not sure on on Mm -hmm. the dates, but you know, there was so much, you know, of, of like, I remember just seeing tweet after tweet after tweet of sending thoughts and prayers and just being like, this is fucking bullshit. And so that first pre-chorus, which is, I don't want to share another line saying I will be sending my heart out. And then the second half is... It might
2: help me sleep at night, but it's a lie. I'm doing nothing to help out.
0: Yeah. It just, and in, in that sort of reflects like still what, what happens, like this collective, like, We all just feel like we got to, you know, share some tweet that we probably wrote in the bathroom and that that's, that's the fix for ourselves to feel good about it. But you're actually doing nothing and maybe even hurting. And, and I think that speaks to the first half of the second verse, which is, will we be the generation who made a lot of noise, but we never found our message, just a mess of every voice. And I think that was as close as I got to ever talking about we. Twitter is a dumpster fire. <laughs> totally. Um but like, you know, that, that that's true. That is sort of like what happens on social media is that it it's it's this way it's like when when you do when you go on a diet or something and you tell someone that you're going mm-hmm. on a diet and you get the victory of telling someone that you're going on a diet, so you don't actually have to go on a <laughs> diet. You know, it's that same yeah. sort of thing where it's like this ego massaging. So you feel good about essentially doing nothing. Um, And I think that, that sort of plagues this generation. It's, it's, it's sort of a, I don't know if it's a cause or a symptom or or a result of social media, but it, but it all plays into that where we can broadcast our fake empathy and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, everyone can sort of applaud. Right. Um, but you're actually not doing anything to to address the issue to solve the issue and you, you know, there's certainly no actionable thing that comes from it and not to be like totally depressive and negative about it. but it, it is it is something you know that that is pervasive and, and certainly present and it unfortunately has probably only gotten worse since 2016.
2: Yeah, but now that our songs out, it's we got this. <laughs>
0: We're bringing it back. <laughs> yeah. So, and I, I want to
2: talk about is our song is our song part of the problem? <laughs> the
0: thing, I mean,
2: oh yeah. my god. No, our song's part of the solution. That's right. That's right. Let me uh, let me talk about how I received those lyrics. So, you you shared them with me. We'd done this before, by the way, where I send Adam a, a gibberish voice note and he Or, or I'll be in the room just humming and he will, uh, kind of almost syllable match my words to my syllables to, to words. Everyone knows what I'm trying to say.
0: Run away, slow march of time. Run away we did it for.
2: Yeah. Oftentimes outside of slow march of time, I would say that we, we did it for a lot of other songs that are unreleased too. That's true. I'm thinking of want what I can't have. I'm thinking of pity party. I'm thinking of some other songs, but anyway. Yeah. A lot of times it's for really rhythmic mm-hmm. songs when I, when I kind of really tighten up and do the MJ, yeah. uh, JT Consonants. kind of consonant. Yeah, it's fun for me to pass those off to Adam because A, I know that he understands the importance of syllables like syllables. Oftentimes, in those style, in that style of singing or in that type of music, is more important than the actual words, yeah, which yeah. is why lyrically you you usually don't get that much across, uh, mm. because that's not the emphasis. The right. emphasis is on on the syllables and the and the and the consonants sounding right um, in the right places. That's why
0: Graceland is but so mad, Adam.
2: Right. Right. Cause it's both. Yeah. So I, but with Adam and, and so as a writer myself, who is capable of writing lyrics for my own material, when I uh, am writing a song that's in that kind of MJ lane, it's fun for me to dish it to Adam because, because I would probably write lyrics. I would never have written lyrics like this to this song. Is what I'm trying to say, I would have written lyrics that are probably about something which you would typically expect, you know, about love, something like that. And, uh, Adam has a different sensibility, but I know that he values the importance of of syllable placement and consonants. So that was a really cool thing for me to get back these lyrics and say, wow, that's, that's kind of, that's one of the fun things about being in a band and that's, that's what this is all about. Never would have come up with that. Yeah. Another thing that I really liked is like you already pointed out that it's not, it's, it's a, broad message, you know, as a songwriter, a lot of times the most simple personal things are the most universal things. So to write a universal thing is oftentimes the most singular, small feeling thing you can write. Yeah. <clears throat> it's funny how it works uh, conversely like that. So, you know, there's a lot of hesitation for all of us on writing one of these broad message songs. It's the it's one of the trickiest things to pull off as yeah. a songwriter. Um so I think that you started out because you started out about yourself, it's a I can see it turn around. Right. Uh, um, mm. The proof is in my pocket. You're talking about your own experience, right. and I think that helps people get in the door yeah. of what you're talking about. Maybe I should throw away my phone. You're talking about yourself, right? And then you and then you expand as you go. Yeah. And then by the end, we're singing this big choir thing. Feel a little. We got to feel a little more. And now yeah. we get. Now I think you've earned the listeners' trust. Uh, to be able to, to say these broad things because you were self-incriminating to start. You kind of, to yeah yeah man in the, the mirror. You kind of turn the mirror on yourself to start. And then the last thing I want to say about lyric, the lyrics to this song, which I really liked, is that each verse ends with empty. I mm-hmm. think that was a really cool songwriting choice. That's, and, you know, the obvious thing would be to rhyme that word because every every verse, phrase ends the same. Right. Every, every The rhythm of every verse ends the same. So it's the obvious move to rhyme that. But... You know, for emphasis to have the same word, even though each verse is different, to have it end with the same word is kind of like, to me, a very clever way to say that no matter which way you look at this problem, we always end up at the same place, which is emptiness. Right. Yeah. I thought that was a really great move out of you. And uh, I think elevated the song to be more than what I ever thought it would be, which was just a really cool groove
0: song. Thanks. Appreciate that. I'll also say that the outro, I have no idea when we did that or where it came from, or I don't even remember when we decided to sing Feel a Little More, but I do remember it being one of the most joyous recording days because we just were like, let's just do it. Let's do, let's just go. Let's take it to church. (laughs) Let's do it. It was, uh,
2: I remember it was at uh, Cole and Carlos's place. Yeah. And on the east side, or, or yeah, closer to Germantown's yeah. spot. Yeah, I had pitched that to you guys. I thought that was going to be a win for the end. Not to, you know, I'll just say, truthfully, it was kind of, there was a point of resistance with it. Yeah, uh, like, can we do that? It it felt, yeah. You know, if you hadn't bought into the song and you just isolate the outro, and, you know, Matt, for good reason, I mean, I, I remember you... Kind of pushing back on that because it felt cheesy and
1: didn't know if we'd earned it yeah yeah
2: yeah didn't know if we'd earned it so i pushed for it and we 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 ganged up on it and and then we did you know the ad-libs and the gangs and it just felt and, and i think in the context of the song we had we had gotten to the place where we were able yeah. to do that
0: And also like, you know, continuing to pay homage. I mean, like, I think we had all watched yeah. that Man in the Mirror performance at the Grammys.
2: 88 Grammys, one of the best live
0: performances. Just uh, award shockingly show performances ever. incredible with with the, the Man in the Mirror outro. We didn't do a key change though.
1: No, and that, because that was the line. <laughs> that was the line. We were really like, like we're going to have, gonna have a churchy line. outro. Yeah, yeah, right there. It was like, we can have this churchy, Man Heck. in the Mirror outro, but we can yeah. do a key change. I want to hear it now. Scott, you just did a really lovely job of describing Adam Adam's lyrical approach here, and I don't want to touch on that because you, you just nailed it, and I agree 1,000%. What I did want to say, just the only thing I, I feel like I can contribute here is just a fun fact for the fans, which is something I always loved about this song. As a songwriter, sometimes... I think a really hard thing is getting precious about our material and sometimes you'll write a, a song you love or a, even just like a chorus or a or a lyric that you love and it doesn't work in the rest of the context of that song and that song gets falls to the wayside and that's like part of the job. Part of the job is coming up with good material all the time even when that material doesn't get used. And so it was a huge. I remember just like a really satisfying moment when you were able to get all the proof is in my pocket <laughs> into this song. Funny. Because for the fans out there, proof in my pocket was, I think, the first we wrote. You guys wrote it during the Indigo Girls tour. Oh right? yeah, sure. I totally remember that. Yeah, every bit. Of I remember it, yep. that as like the first post Red Room song that we wrote, and it just it fell. To the wayside. And when you slip that in, I remember being like,
0: Yeah, nice. I don't even know if we have a recording of that, but if we do, we'll, we'll drop some in right now. We have a live yeah. recording we of do. it
2: from um, whatever that place that uh, Ed, uh, Shalom from Eddie's Attic went to. Uh-huh. Out in, oh, out yeah. In Marietta, red, and Alfred, or something. Red, 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 something. red rocks. Let's just <laughs> pretend it was red rocks. It the was
0: big red, red amphitheater.
1: Frozen. And it
0: used to be. When we brought this, when I picked this song as my next release, you know, we, we tried just sort of remixing it and seeing where it was at. And then I sent it out to, to both of you. And, you know, it's, it, we'd, we'd all live, lived with this song for six years. Like it felt good. But there was this feeling of like, it could be better. Like what, like, or, or like, it's cool. We know a lot more now. What would we do? And we sort of kicked it around for a while. And then I just got...
1: I remember you sent it, it to me and, I was, try- and I, I was listening to a song by Honey Dijon mm-hmm. called uh, Why. And I was trying to provide those vibes. And you were like, I'm hearing, I'm hearing the weekend. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, okay, I'll try this again. And I, and I tried to throw in some synths. Yeah. And it didn't work.
0: Yeah, and it was just we were just sort of like, well, maybe we just keep it mate. Let's not if it ain't broke type of thing. And then Scott Scott, I sent Scott the project and he was like, "Let me just give me a run with this." I think it was just like a weekend or something. And I got back a track that was like dramatically different and dramatically better. And it was a very cool moment. What was that like, Scott? It was it's really cool to listen back on
2: stuff that you did 5 or 6 you know, however many years ago that you at the time loved. Uh, It's like looking at an old picture of yourself, except the world hasn't seen it, just you. So it very much felt incredible to listen to the old version of the song, but it also felt, as we were saying earlier, we were really swept up in the MJ Jackson's era thing. So it felt kind of too derivative, I think, of that. And now... As, an, as any artist will tell you, you, know, you, as you go, you absorb new things and you know, you've lived more life. Some parts of my voice feel a little bit different, you know, both literal and metaphorical. So it felt like it was a little bit stuck in time and we needed to update it. Yeah. And it was just a matter of figuring out what that was. I think one of the things about the song that felt that didn't sit well with me, the original version, is that it felt too happy. It felt right. too kind of light. This the subject was obviously uh, very broad, very deep, very significant in a lot of ways. And I thought musically it was a little bit diet, diet coke, mm-hmm. and it needed something grounded, and it needed something. And I and I needed to to sing it again. Yeah. So. I retracked the whole vocal, by the way, which thanks to Adam, because you know I was like, I don't know if I want to yeah. restack everything, and it's just yeah. So so that was my approach going in. I was like, I want to add darkness to this song. I want to add the weight. I want to add some some lower end yeah. to this to make this feel. As a singer, I always think about, like, ha- as a singer, how would I approach a song? I wanted to approach it with, like, a ma- like madness in my face and, yeah. like, an, a grit in my voice as opposed to, like, the really MJ lightness. Mm-hmm. It's a heavy kind of day. Mm-hmm. I can't see it. I, I didn't want to be so t- so light.
0: I wanted yeah. to be a little deeper with in it. In the first lyric, is and, literally, it's a heavy kind of day.
2: Right. Yeah. So let's add some weight to it. Yeah. So, so that was it. So I just looked... I just um, added that low, I guess, sequencer element, yeah. and a lot of those much bassier elements that I think brought the focus to the floor as opposed to the clouds, and kind of sucked in the energy to. Uh, being about you and your thing, I almost I almost felt like I had a hood on right. when I was singing, and my 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 field of vision was tight and small. That's what I wanted to accomplish. And then the Jackson stuff, you know, I added that trumpet line in there because I wanted it to not feel like we were deviating too much. I just, and I wanted those chords to still be those chords because that's the DNA of that style. You can't scrub that out. But we just need, it was all about just adding that that weight. Yeah. That's all.
0: Yeah, and I I remember getting it back and just like feeling this rush of excitement because it had like, the song had come back and like been on Queer Eye. You know, like it just got a total, (laughs) total makeover and was like feeling very confident about itself, you know, and then it was a matter of... And the cupcake and the cupcake shop that it's about to start. That's right. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Shout out to the Queer Eye season in in, uh, Austin. Yeah. Yeah. Watched it. Loved it. It's just, yeah. Uh, I think it's also just a really cool measuring stick when you can line a song up. That you did versus what you would do with it today, and yeah. and think about think about the ways that you would reapproach it, and it's just a good way to to check yourself against yourself, and totally, and the ways that you now hear music differently, and it's hard ho- because it, at the time
0: when we, when we recorded that song, we thought it was perfect. Yeah, and I think it was for the time, you know. Yeah. And yeah. It,
2: and, and, and if we were to record it again in five years, yeah. it would be different. But, you know, and that's that's one of the things, you know, you put out a recording and it's done and that's what it is. Um, you can change it live and, and put out other versions, I guess. But at some point you have to release the music into the world. But with this one in particular, it was a really it was a really good almost gift that we didn't release it the first time. Although if we had, I would have been right perfectly happy with it. And you know what? Let's let's use that as a segue to talk about what we like to talk about on these shows as these are this series is designed to bring material that fell through the cracks the first time around that now with our experience with experimenting with a lot of different genres a little more life has happened for the three of us. Why now? Why not then and why now?
0: So the reason I picked this song now is because my dad has had this song as the original demo as his ringtone which I mean we don't need to get into the fact that no one has ringtones anymore but he's had this mm-hmm. as his ringtone since we first recorded the demo so we're talking like six years any any mm-hmm. he always has his phone on ring too, never vibrate no matter the scenarios and it's loud okay so it's yes. it and the song used to start with the drum fill and he's literally every time I talk to him in the last six years, he would ask me, "Are you gonna put Novocaine out?" So honestly, I've always wanted to put this song out independently of that. But this one goes out to my dad, who's been a true shadow boxer supporter from the very beginning. Yeah, thank you, Jim. We we owe this one to him. That's how I feel. Mm-hmm. So that's why now.
1: Yeah, I love that reason. Yeah. I'm good with that reason good. yeah I'm good with that reason. We don't have to talk about politics. No. we don't have to talk no, no, no. about yeah no. that's it that's great. my dad Jimbo yeah. wanted
2: it and my, he got it finally and 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 the people got it too. that's right. thanks to him.
0: All right, so that's Nova Kane. we uh, we hope you're loving it. We hope you dig it. and yeah, we're gonna keep this series going. We had a little bit of a hiatus had to have a had to have a quick baby, <laughs> but we're back and uh, who's up next Matt? just a,
1: just a you up. Just got a little, bit just got, what would the Rocky equivalent of of just had a little baby be? I'm gonna need Scott to do
0: the voice. I can't do it.
1: Uh, I don't... Matt. You're referring to when he says uh, we
2: just got a little married.
0: Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah just had a little baby. Yeah, Adam had a Adam had a child. Yeah, just
2: a little yeah, baby.
1: Which is why we've been off 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 the uh, off the air for seven months, but we're back and we've got a whole bunch of songs in the tank ready to go. Matt, you're up next. It's gonna be more consistent. No, it's me. Oh, it's, it's you. Me. No, it's Scotty. I'm sorry. Oh, and we know what it is, and it's exciting. Yeah, yeah we know what it is. Yeah. It's gonna be a good one. This is another one that has that has same era. changes. The same era. Yeah, it's a good one.
0: Um, all right, we've taken a lot of your time. Thank you for listening to this meditation. Let's close it out by feeling a sense of breath to our feet. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You've smiled from your chest today.
0: Yeah. Let's feel as we come to this episode's
1: completion.
0: (laughs) Nice. Thank Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. This has been Nobody Knows the Shadow Boxers But You, and No One Knows You But The Shadow Boxers.